Welcome back to the Art of Charm podcast. I am AJ. And I'm Johnny. And for the last 11 years, we've been hosting the Art of Charm podcast, as well as in-person training here in sunny Los Angeles. If you're interested in learning more about our in-person training, where we help our clients overcome social anxiety, introversion, build out their social skill sets so they're more confident, comfortable, and able to build and strengthen relationships with others, you can learn more at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. This week, we're delving into value part two, whereas last week we talked about low value behaviors, both in ourselves and others. This week, we're going to be identifying what it means to be high value. What is that behavior that we're striving for? And we're also going to talk about the impact of having low value people in your social life, what it has on you personally, and ultimately your ability to become successful. So if you haven't listened to part one, please double back to last week's episode and check that out before moving forward with this episode. And a quick show note for you. You may be wondering, where is Jordan Harbinger? Well, he has left the art of charm. He has started a new podcast, The Jordan Harbinger Show. You can search in iTunes. We'll also link it up in the show notes so you can find it. We're very proud of the work that Jordan did with The Art of Charm over the last decade. We'll be keeping our archive up so you can find all of those amazing interviews. And if you're interested in his future interviews, you can check out The Jordan Harbinger Show. Moving forward, we're going to be presenting Toolbox episodes as well as the occasional interview as it pertains to building out that social skill set, building out our confidence, and relating with people. So without further ado, we bring you Value Part 2. This idea of being cooperative, I think for a lot of us, it is worrisome because we feel that other people can take advantage of our kindness and generosity, and then it can actually set us up to fail. And again, Adam Grant discussed this in detail in his book, Give and Take, one of our favorite books and one of our favorite guests on the podcast. And his research really backed up a lot of what we've been preaching over the last 10 years, which is being cooperative, yes is being vulnerable. It sets you in a position where people can take advantage of you, but the return on that investment of cooperativity far outweighs any disadvantages you would find from people taking advantage of you being generous. I think what also adds to the troublesome idea is that you usually find cooperative behavior after being taken advantage of, right? So like, you try things one way, it doesn't work. You swing the other way, it doesn't work. And so you're like, where's the middle ground or what is the, my true worth? Like where, how do I act in this world? What is the best way for me to go about it that causes paths of least resistance, it allows me to be happy and it doesn't set up roadblocks in front of me? You know, I, for myself, I had to go try many different things before I had gotten here. You realize that being nice to everybody gets you taken advantage of. You realize that being combative puts roadblocks and makes everything difficult for you. So it's stumbling around to what's the best way to go about this. And as we discussed, cooperative is not really the middle road of those. It's a totally different thing. And let's be honest, a lot of those low value behaviors actually make you feel bad. They make you feel bad internally. They make you do things that allows other people to think poorly of you. So those low value behaviors, the reason we highlight them first is because when we are being cooperative, we are going to attract both low value and high value people. It's your job to facilitate and 
formulate, okay, what are the low value behaviors that people are exhibiting? And is this a pattern to all of their behavior? Maybe I should not be cooperative with them if they are simply a taker. But at the same time, the flip side of that is you cannot attract high quality, high value individuals without being a person who is cooperative, who looks to help other people first. It doesn't happen that way. If you only interact with people in these low value ways of begging, taking, one-upping the other person, over time, high value people run away from you. It repels them. So if you want to build quality relationships, you have to understand that investing in other people, putting other people ahead of yourself is the only way to truly facilitate and get those dividends out of those relationships. So let's talk about what we mean by being cooperative because again, it starts with a mindset and we're gonna run down some behaviors that you're gonna see in people who are high value so that you have a better understanding of what we truly mean by being cooperative. Yes, and as I was mentioning earlier, it's a different road, not a road in the middle, but a completely different one. So where a supplicative is about begging for attention, approval, acceptance, being combative is about taking value by putting others down and being in their face about it, competitive competes for attention, approval, acceptance, we're now going to give it. We're now looking for opportunities to give attention, approval, and acceptance to allow those around us to feel really good about ourselves. And we have to think about ourselves at the center of our network. And so how we behave starts to build paths in which way we can move. If I'm the center of my network and I'm using combative behavior and I'm moving in a certain direction, all the people in that direction start to then become stiffened on their positions or how to deal with me. And I'm putting up hurdles in this path. So now if I'm going to give value and attention, approval and acceptance, I'm allowing those people to feel really good about themselves. They're opening doors for me. And now I can move in that direction without hurdles, without walls. And the amazing thing about opening those doors, a lot of these doors are invisible to us. They're not clearly articulated opportunities that we're aiming for, these are doors that you don't even realize because kindness develops trust, influence, and ultimately builds rapport. Being generous with your time, with your thoughts, with your skill set, helping other people actually fosters that trust and builds the influence that you're looking for. And the crazy part about that is when you've built that trust, these doors that were hidden are now open. And these people who maybe you, you didn't even originally realize that they had that role in life or that they had these opportunities for them, they're going to open them for you because you've built trust through kindness. And when we talk about being cooperative, it starts with that mindset of thinking of the other people in your life as awesome. Stop being so judgmental and so negative of people. Understanding that if you celebrate other people, you're gonna get that celebration back. The reciprocity that you're gonna feel from allowing other people around you to feel good, well, that's an amazing feeling. And understanding that if we start by focusing on people's positives and we look for opportunities to help people instead of immediately building up these walls and looking for ways to cut them down, we've now opened these doors to new paths that allow us to get what we're looking for much faster. Once you start putting this out there, you'll be able to see your world change rather fast if you give it a real college effort. In program, I always talk about 
this challenge of 30 days of going out of your way to give value indiscriminately, just machine gun it out to everyone you come in contact with without thinking, and we'll get into this a little bit later about what they can do for you. We're just going to give value out. And you will be surprised that if you do this for 30 days, just how different your world becomes. We talk about the easiest form of value to give someone. Even if you don't have a skill set, an expertise, a network that can help them, the easiest thing you can give someone else when it comes to value is simply your attention. And in today's day and world, everyone is on their phone. When everyone is addicted to social media and they are less engaged than ever, if you can be that engaged listener who just sits there and doesn't even offer advice, doesn't try to fire back with you should do this or you should do that, but just listens to people, giving them your full attention, that is the easiest way to become a high value person and to showcase to other people that they matter to you. And that's a huge win, absolutely. So I know a lot of times when we discuss this in class and when we've talked about this online and some of our articles, you know, people fire back, hey, AJ, I don't have this great network. I don't have all these experts that I can just give out to friends and share my connections or, you know, I'm not experienced. So how can I really offer anyone some advice? And it's taking a step back and going, well, why do you have to go that far? It can be simply giving someone attention. How easy is this when, as you mentioned, everyone's looking to what can I do? And the easiest thing, you're just giving them that attention. And it takes all the pressure on saying the right thing that so many people get bogged down with. Yeah, everyone can get in their head wondering, well, what's the best response to this? And a lot of times it's not about the response at all. It's just about being present and being a good listener that offers that value. And again, allows people to feel good. Think about that for a second. In those moments where you're out with your friends at dinner, and your friend is just incessantly checking his phone, and you're telling a story, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel terrible. It makes you feel like you don't matter. It makes you feel like your friend doesn't care. Even though your friends do care about you, that feeling sits with you. And over time in relationships, whether it's with a spouse, significant other, or through friendship, we can build resentment of the other person if we feel that they're not responding, they're not engaged, they don't seem to care about what's going on in our lives. And we're seeing it more and more, and we're all guilty of it. You know, I made a mention of this to you last year, that traveling through Europe last year, I didn't see nearly as many Europeans staring at their phones as I do in America. And we were in some heavily touristy places, and you could just tell, you could place bets on who was the Americans and who, who was the Europeans. Yeah, and you look at, right, all these social media companies, where do they form? The U.S. Where do we care the most about everyone's attention and desire of us? Here in the U.S., we tend to be self-centered. And listen, we're going to get a lot of emails. I know this. We yeah. live in L.A., so we are the <laughs> epicenter of self-centeredness. <laughs> and, 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 and we have fallen victim ourselves absolutely. to that mindset. Absolutely. So we totally understand it. Go ahead and shoot those emails over if you're, you're not on the West Coast or the East Coast and you're like, hey, I'm not addicted to social media. <laughs> we understand that. The other part about this, again, going for these easy wins to give someone else value is acknowledgement and some genuine compliments. Think about all the effort that you put into your appearance, that you put into your hobbies, that you put into your job, right? And when you go to social media and you post, hey, I just got this promotion or hey, I just booked this trip, you're something you're so excited about. What is the best feeling in the world? 
Well, when someone acknowledges you, when someone appreciates you and says, oh, great work, that's incredible, we're so proud of you, you've done a great job in your career, those little moments, right? Again, this is not a significant amount of investment of time and energy it's here. It's so small, but it's something that you have to do. It's not going to happen on its own, so you have to make a conscious decision to do that. And we're talking about genuine compliments here. We're not talking about surface level, oh, your hair looks great, or hey, you look good today. Those are throwaway compliments that don't have an impact. The compliments we're talking about are the compliments where you know that the other person put a lot of effort and energy specifically into some result, and you're celebrating that result. You're celebrating that personality trait about them. You're celebrating that high value behavior about them. That's what we're looking for when we talk about genuine compliments. And we do an exercise in boot camp to help elucidate the easiest way to form genuine compliments is to form the compliments around stuff you already value. Understanding what you value about yourself, whether it's loyalty, honesty, integrity, being tenacious in business, whatever the case may be, when you identify your own values and then you celebrate other people for having those values, those are really impactful compliments. I think also that we tend to neglect and not put much importance into the, the simple things and make everything so difficult. It's like what you're wearing and we could think, well, it's not a big deal. It's just a shirt I bought. It's just a jeans I bought. You committed to purchasing them for a reason and you still own them for a reason and you're wearing them today for a reason. I have tons of stuff that I don't wear that sits in my closet. There's a reason that those don't get any attention and other clothes do. And so so if I get the compliment of, I dig your shoes, it's just like, oh, well, thank you very much. There is something tied to that. That's why I'm wearing them. And you have awesome shoes, by the way. Oh, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Boots, your boot wardrobe is on fleek. So what we're talking about here is giving the compliment to the effort and energy behind the action, the intention. It doesn't have to just be celebrating results. I think a lot of times when you think about compliments, we're like, oh, you know, this person's trying to lose weight, but they haven't really lost the weight. Or this person went for this position and they didn't get the position. How can I still celebrate them? Celebrate effort and energy. That is where the magic happens. If someone's putting time and energy behind the weight loss, someone's putting time and energy behind their wardrobe decisions, someone's putting time and energy behind the skill set being gained in their career, et cetera, celebrating that. And, you know, it's funny because we often ask this in, during boot camp. A show of hands, how many of your friends know you're here and, and know you're working on this? And everyone often looks around the room and tentatively is like, ah, you know, I didn't really talk about that. Because a lot of us don't have high value friends who are willing to celebrate our effort and energy. They're not willing to celebrate our growing. They're not willing to celebrate us working on ourselves. So unfortunately, because of that, we often don't reciprocate. We find that we're not getting celebration. So we're like, oh, well, why celebrate them? If you are the first person to act, if you are the first person to take that step forward and say, listen, I'm going to celebrate the effort and energy my friends are putting out into the world, you'd be amazed at how that can change the entire dynamic of your friendship. And that sort of encouragement is addictive. It can affect the whole thing to where all of a sudden you've, which we're going to be talking about a bit, how you've put together a social circle that thrives on support and encouragement. And when that happens, you will find yourself doing things easily that you've been afraid or maybe even felt impossible in the past. And you talk about magic. There's magic in that. Absolutely. When we're celebrating the people around us 
empowering them to take more action, to lean in and feel good about themselves. The impact that we have on our circle is incredible. And then the reciprocity that comes from that, being celebrated and being in a supportive social environment allows you to take on even bigger challenges and confront even bigger demons. And that's what we're talking about here. But of course, this starts with active listening. This starts with setting your phone down. This starts with not being so engaged with online and being more (laughs) focused on in real life, in person. And I know for me here in LA, I have some good relationships, but I also have a lot of friends back home in Michigan and in New York. And it can be difficult when your friends are thousands of miles away to stay invested in their lives and celebrate what's going on. But these are important investments. And just the simple act of picking up the phone and listening to what's going on in your friend's life, being engaged and caring about the other people in your life, even if you don't see them very often, is a way to continue to nurture that friendship through that cooperativity. I know in the past, when my friends were having problems or issues, it's very easy when you're so focused on yourself to get cold about that and think, I can't deal with that right now. I need to be focusing on me. You're on your own. If we continue to do that in those moments where we're feeling those things ourselves, then we're going to find ourselves out in the cold. And the flip side of that is I know how difficult it can be when you're struggling with something, when life is handing you lemons and you're not happy to celebrate your friends who are getting the breaks, who are succeeding, who are getting their dreams fulfilled. It can be difficult when you feel like the weight of the world is against you and right now you don't feel that you're appreciative of anything in your life. It can be difficult then for you to go out and appreciate other people's lives. But that's what we're talking about here. The more you can appreciate other people, the more you can be cooperative of their successes and what's going on in their life, the more that you're going to get that back in those moments when you need it, those moments where you could use an attaboy, you can use a pat on the back. That's the great part about social media. I know we've bashed on social media a lot, so we'll probably get some emails from Facebook and Twitter (laughs) to cut it out. But the other amazing part about these social media sites is they're a great tool to allow you to follow your friends' lives and be more engaged, right? And what we're huge proponents of is celebrating those mile markers in your friends' lives. So when they post, hey, I got engaged. Hey, I proposed to my girlfriend. Hey, I just got this new job on Facebook. Hop on the phone, call them, schedule a time to celebrate them. Go meet them in person. Use social media to allow you to see these other things in other people and then celebrate them offline. That's the positive, constructive way of using it. And rather than looking at it and find out, who you hate this week because of what they have going on in their lives. Like, oh, look at this guy. What a jerk. I can't believe he, that happened to him. What? Yeah, it's look like, at his highlight reel. <laughs> I can't deal with this. We're all guilty of that as well. But so now we're moving into the idea of, of responsibility. And you have a responsibility of what you're going to bring yourself to do in those moments when you find yourself looking at social media to condemn people for having good things happening in your lives. You are responsible to realize that and stop that and go, okay, now I'm just being a jealous human and move on. And so let me set up responsibility for this as we move into it. High value people go out of their way to look for opportunities to take on responsibility because high value people want control of a situation because if it's not to their liking, they're able to change it. Where low-value people will go out of their way to give up responsibility. So 
that when things go wrong, they can point the finger. So there are your options. Do you want control and power? Or do you want to just leave it up to hope as a strategy? Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Responsibility is ownership. It's understanding that, hey, you own your actions, you own the results of your actions, and you're going to identify that in yourself and take control of that. A lot of times we want to give up responsibility because 
We don't want any of the negative impacts that come from our actions. We don't want to have to feel bad because we didn't succeed, because we screwed up, we made a mistake. So oftentimes what we do is we try to hide from those results and bury the responsibility or point the finger elsewhere. Oh, well, actually, it's because you didn't give me enough information. It's because Google Calendar was broken. (laughs) Blame it on everything Everything. under the sun, except for the fact, well, you didn't show up to the meeting. I want to set this up again as something that I set up in the previous podcast, which was we're flawed characters. You are going to look at Facebook and it sometimes get jealous and it sometimes get happy. So you are responsible for for how you're going to to use that tool and see that tool. And another thing that comes out with responsibility and bad habits is we are flawed because of evolution. Responsible for all the good parts, responsible for all the bad parts, such as being judgmental, which goes along with being competitive and being combative. It is part of human nature to be judgmental. Why? Because for evolutionary purposes, that's allowed us to survive, that's allowed us to uh, continue to evolve. So now if I walk into a social engagement and I'm feeling a bit uneasy and I have some anxiety, it's easy for me to get judgmental and write the place off. Wow, this place sucks. Look at all the pretentious people here. And now I don't have to deal with anybody, do I? However, if I'm going to be a high value person, I can know that I'm saying that about the situation that I know nothing about making a judgment call realize I'm being judgmental. That is on me. I'm going to stop that. I know nobody here. And I'm going to give this place and these people an opportunity to surprise me. And I can't tell you how many times I've felt that urge. We all do. Been frustrated by it. Hung in there a little bit longer, made an approach or two, and all of a sudden got to know someone on a deep level and go, whoa, I was completely off base. I was judging a book by its cover. Here I was thinking that either I'm more successful than these people or I have my life put together more so I don't need to devote any time or attention or give anyone here any approval or acceptance. And all that happens is you're the one left out in the cold. You're the one left out in the dark. So what we're talking about here, going along with this responsibility, comes a level of honesty. Being honest about yourself and being honest about your actions. I can't tell you how many times as someone who's trying to be high value, When you are lied to, when someone tries to manipulate you, gaslight you, change the truth on you, pretend that something else actually happened, how devastating that is to you and your ability to cope with that relationship. You start to wonder, well, wait a second here. I've been honest. I've been forthright. I've come to the table saying, I want to take responsibility and I want to work together on this. And you're being manipulated emotionally. You're being lied to. You're being told it's another thing. That is toxic to relationships. So relationships are built around trust. The easiest way to sabotage trust is to lie and manipulate. So what we're talking about here to be high value, it's being honest. It's owning it and not looking to lie and cheat your way out of responsibility, cheat your way out of the impact that your actions had on other people. And another piece, your honesty is helping those around you. And when you've created a social circle that is based on being high value, you can be a lot more honest with your friends because they're looking to step it up. They're looking to find places where they can be better. And of course, once again, though, if you're going to be able to do that, you need to be able to be open to those things as well, which is, isn't always so easy, but it allows for growth on for every person. And we're going to be talking about 
why that social circle is so important to mutually escalate quality of life in all players. What we're talking about here with being cooperative, being kind, it has impacts not only in your personal life, it has impacts in your work life. It improves team performance, morale, and gets people more committed. I know a lot of times we celebrate stubborn, hard-headed leaders. And if you look throughout history, you think of how people are successful, sometimes they're canonized because they were so aggressive and they would step on other people. And because of that, we have this warped view of what it takes to be successful. In reality, science is showing us that cooperative leaders get the most out of their team and cooperative leaders move up the corporate ladder, period, end of discussion. What you're seeing on these one in a million, one in a billion success stories, that is not backed up by science. Well, to go along with that, one of the podcasts that we enjoy is Jocko Willink, and he talks about, oh, there's all these old books like The Art of War and, and things like that that have been going around for through time. And all those books, all about raising an army, about how to treat an army, it's even in there about be hard on your team, but not so hard that they're undisciplined. And having them, building them up so that there was respect all the way around. It's a reframe that you hear over and over again. All these war manuals and army manuals from the test of time. And on top of all of that, when we are kind, we showcase a level of fairness to our team members, to our staff, to our support that allows them to feel comfortable leaning in further. When people feel they are treated unfairly, they are less motivated to do anything. What was the saying I mentioned yesterday? Pretend to pay me and I'll pretend to work? Exactly. <laughs> when people feel that they have been mistreated or they've been treated unfairly, they become less motivated, less productive, less willing to lean in and do the work. So that is why we're talking about kindness, generosity, and cooperativity, not only in your personal life, but in your professional life. And it can be truly difficult. We understand that. There are team members that come along that are low value, that want to hold you back, that want to be greedy, that want to take from you. And understanding that the only way to motivate the team from a leadership perspective is to continue to be that high value giver. And understanding that when we fall into these low value behaviors, even if it's because someone else pushed us there, we're reacting to someone else's low value behaviors, we harm the team as a whole. So you might think that, oh, well, I gotta be combative back with this person because he's being combative. That has a ripple effect on the rest of the team. And if you're trying to deal with one person, but your behavior showcase to the team that they can't trust you, that you're unfair, that you are manipulative, well, you just lost their trust. They're not going to support you on that greater mission. And they're certainly gonna look out for themselves first which does not make for great teamwork. This motivation, support, and encouragement that we're talking about, it is small stuff here. I wanna reiterate that again, because we're talking about minutes worth of effort and energy. Simple stuff of celebrating other people can have profound effects in years following. This is not a quick fix. This is not a look for a quick return of this generosity. This is changing your worldview, understanding that over the course of your entire life, being generous, being kind, being cooperative pays dividends. 
That's why it's so difficult for people to see because it is so simple. And I think when people put together ideas of how they're going to move through the world, they make it so complicated. Uh, they miss these small nuances. In class, right? We always see that it's the smallest things that have the biggest impact on people's lives. And we all go through life having that. We have these stories of teachers in our past, coaches in our past, who you know, showed us that one act of kindness, generosity, being cooperative, giving us that attention, approval, acceptance we desperately needed in a time in our life where maybe we were feeling down, we were feeling unmotivated, we were feeling incapable. And those people end up being heroes in our narrative. Those are the people that build us up, that motivate us to lean in, to try harder, whether it's a piano coach, a teacher you had in grade school. They stand out for us because of that kindness, generosity, and cooperativity. So this brings us to a really important question that we get a lot. How does giving value get us value? A lot of times we're still so stuck in this transactional mindset that immediately we're like, well, I don't understand how just giving people value indiscriminately, as you said, machine gunning out value, how does that pay off and give me the return on that investment of time and energy? There's two parts to that. One is I don't want to be so kind that I get taken advantage of, and we'll hold that for a little bit later. Let's go into right now why this works. We set it up in last week's podcast about how getting attention, approval, and acceptance fires off dopamine receptors, and that allows you to feel good. So boom, if you're the one supplying attention, approval, and acceptance, you're firing in the other person off their dopamine receptors. They're now feeling good. Now, because of that, they're looking to you to look for opportunities to do the same. And I'm going to preface that in most people. And now, and this is why the transaction part gets difficult, because once you start to do it, you start to take tabs on who's looking to shoot that back. And it may not be in the form that you are expecting. Therefore, it makes it difficult to see it come back, which puts you in a position to get bitter and salty that you're not seeing the effort coming back at you that you've been putting out to people, which <laughs> puts you in a position to become jaded and now harden up and putting up walls. What we're talking about here is identifying low value behaviors in others, positioning yourself to be high value and understanding that there are people that are going to continue to be low value, going to continue to abuse and take advantage of you. And we're going to talk about how to deal with that at the second half of the show today. But what Johnny said is, it reminds me of this famous quote from Maya Angelou. People don't remember what you do. People don't remember what you say. Over the long term, people only remember how you made them feel. And it is a very difficult concept for a lot of us because when we think about the people that have wronged us, we think about actions, but those actions have always evoked a feeling in us, a feeling of untrustworthy manipulative, they are looking to take advantage of us. And that feeling is truly what sticks. And in thinking back over my life and teaching this in class, you know, there are two moments that really stand out as lessons for me around this entire concept. And one of them with an ex-girlfriend, I was so excited when we met. It was a crazy Michigan winter evening and I was walking back to my car and giving her a ride home from the bar. And I was talking to her, not looking where I was walking, and I stepped in a Michigan pothole and fell over and split my chin open. 
And I bounce up and I'm thinking to myself mentally, I'm such a klutz. I screwed this up. This girl's not going to like me now. And I literally drove her home with drops of blood (laughs) strolling down my neck from this cut on my chin. Out a couple months later, we were out and sharing with her friends how we met the first night we met. And I was laughing. I said, I can't believe she's with me. I'm such a klutz. She stopped and was like, what are you talking about? You're a klutz. I don't remember that at all. And I said, yeah, I split my chin the night we met and I drove you home with blood on my neck. And she's like, no, I don't remember that at all. And I literally had to show her the scar on my chin to get her to believe me because she did not remember that action that I so distinctly remembered. Flip side of that, people don't remember what you say. With Amy, my current girlfriend, when we met, she was concerned about obviously what we teach in class. And we were laughing about oh, well, what did you say to Amy? How did you win her over with your words? And I was telling a story of some of the silly banter lines I had said with Amy that day, and she didn't remember any of them. And I was so shocked because I remember them as having this huge effect. And I thought for sure that these were going to be moments that stood out for her too, because I remember them being really engaging moments in our conversation. And she had no recollection of those words. Well, hence the relationship and gender issues between men and women when they're both thinking and remembering different things. <laughs> think about this for a second, right? We only have our own first person perspective. Yeah. And a lot of times it's very difficult for us to fully ascertain other people's behaviors and other people's words. The only thing that sticks out for us is that feeling of comfort, that feeling of exhilaration, excitement around that person. That's what's ultimately going to stand out. So when people say, oh, we vibed, I love his energy, I just felt good, that's what they're talking about. They're not talking about the words and actions. So what we're talking about here is giving value creates that positive feeling in other people. And that's how you become memorable. That's how you stand out as charismatic and charming because you evoke good feelings in others when they're around you, when they interact with you. When they think about you, those emotions are what's evoked and that's what's going to stand out. So when we give value, as Johnny said, we are playing around with their dopamine. We're giving them that little hit of good feelings that makes us stand out in their mind and also makes us memorable. When oxytocin and dopamine are released, we tend to chase those feelings. If you hit that button enough in other people, they are going to start chasing your time, energy, attention, approval, and acceptance more because it allowed them to feel so good. So now we set ourselves up for success because people are coming to us looking for ways to get more value, but also ways to give us value and allow us to feel as good as we made them feel. And that's where that reciprocity comes in. And that's how we start getting the value back that we've been giving to other people. And it's so funny because we laugh about this after the boot camp that we know the results finally stuck when you get your first comp drink. You machine gun the value. You allow other people in their day-to-day job who don't know you, who are strangers, to feel good. And all of a sudden, they're hooking you up. That question is, how do I know I'm doing this right? How do I know I'm giving value well? And I always say, when you start getting free stuff, that's it. Yeah, it's like a cheat code where all of a sudden you made everyone around you feel good, whether it's the waiter, the waitress, the barista, get them laughing, get them smiling, like giving them a little attention, giving them that approval and acceptance, appreciating that. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, drinks on the house. You don't have to worry about the check. That's on me. And it's a small gesture, but it starts to crystallize for you that, wow, if I'm giving out value, 
right? I'm not going into it looking for the free drink. I'm not going into it looking for the free meal. But all of a sudden, these subtle acts of kindness and generosity come back to you. And I want to get back to a point that goes exactly with this. When, when you start looking at it transactionally, it's a pitfall because everyone returns it differently. And so while you might be expecting the compliment back because you put out a compliment, they send you a free drink because they're bartending or, and everyone has their own way of doing it. Also comfortable. Not everyone understands these rules. And now just because you do doesn't doesn't mean mean that you can expect certain results. And I think that's where that low value behavior is tied to the expectation of immediate gratification, immediate return of something. And much like Johnny's saying, Sometimes a way people will give you attention could be that like on Facebook, could be that little comment on your Instagram. It might not be as overt as some of your actions of giving value to other people. It goes with, because you're doing that, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position. Uh, You're putting yourself out there, you gave the compliment, and they are looking for the subtle ways that allows them to contribute, to give back, but be safe. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. If you focus more so on being generous and just giving it out, giving it out, giving it out, these people in your life who are gonna first feel, whoa, that was unexpected. I, what changed in AJ, I wasn't anticipating compliments now and more attention. And they're gonna subtly try to give it back to you in ways you might not originally appear. But over time, over the long haul, 
all those little subtle gestures, all those little small efforts and energies that they're putting in to give you that value, to allow you to feel good around them, are going to start to pile up and pay off in ways that you were never anticipating. And Johnny and I were laughing in preparation for this episode today, thinking about all the different times in our lives where we gave this value out without ever looking for something in return, and how magically years later, the gesture was repaid in ways that we never would have imagined. We were talking about which to share a story with you guys of how this works, and one of the ones that hit me right out of the gate was there was a new venue that opened up in Hollywood. And being a musician, I wanted to see them be successful and I wanted to see that the venue go well. And, you know, I wasn't quite sure the lay of the land, whose club was it, how it was going to be run. And all I knew was that I wanted to be somewhat involved so that I would be able to play there and, and, and have a home. And I remember we were in New York at the time when this place had opened. So when we finally got back, I had this opportunity to go over there and speak to whoever was running the place. So I found out who the manager was and I saw him running around that. I used to work in a rock and roll venue millennia ago. So I know that it's the most thankless job on the planet. And I saw him running around and I realized exactly where he was. And I stopped him and I said, listen, I know you're busy. I just wanted to say that I've been in your shoes. I've worked a venue before, and I'm really excited for you guys to be doing this. If there's anything that you need on my end, I'll be happy to give you a hand. If you need some help with booking some shows, if you need some help getting some bands for certain nights, feel free to hit me up. And I gave him my number. And of course, it was with that opening that I found my band doing residencies there. I found myself getting discounts on my tab for drinking all night. And plus, I also found myself in my free time putting in some time helping the place with getting some acts, some fresh touring acts, uh, and helping them complete some bills and taking a lot of his work just for the fact that I knew I was helping him out and it would go far in my direction. And then amazingly, I can't remember how much longer after all of this opening, but then we had a friend visit us from Budapest who was yeah. dying to yeah. have a place to play in L.A. with his band coming all the way from Hungary. And because of that, you were able to set him up with a show at this venue years later. So understanding that this is long term stuff. This is long game stuff that we're talking about here. If you are constantly running around with that ledger looking to clear off <laughs> your debts of generosity, you are low value and you're not going to see that return. And it's funny how my story kind of dovetails nicely with that. It's around music. Back in Michigan, before we started the company and before we moved to New York, and I was at this house party randomly about 30 minutes away from my house. And a buddy of mine had known one of his coworkers was throwing this party. So I was an invite. And I met this guy who was doing an internship at Daimler Chrysler and was into the same music that I was into, Detroit techno. And he was in from Europe. So at this party, we got in this great conversation about music and how excited he was to be in Detroit to see some of this electronic music that he loved in France. About a week later, there was a show. It was a pretty small venue. It was kind of a need-to-know basis show with this big-time DJ. And it was in the basement of a sushi bar in downtown Detroit. And I happened to know about the event, and I knew that this guy who's in from France, Max, 
didn't have a car and he was a good 25 minutes away from where the show was. So I reached out to Max. I said, hey, I got an invite to the show. It's kind of a once in a lifetime thing. I'm happy to come pick you up and take you to the show, sharing this experience with him. And he was so blown away here. He didn't really have very many friends. He had just moved out here on this internship. He was trying to make some friends with his coworkers and he certainly didn't have a car and he didn't have any way to really repay me for this. So he just thankfully took the invite. I picked him up. I brought him to the show. We had an amazing night, then stayed in touch after. And, and after his internship was up, he had to relocate back to Europe. And he had told me that night was so special for him. It was one of the most memorable nights he had in Detroit. And if I was ever in Europe, let him know he would love to show me around. And a couple years later, I happened to be traveling through Paris and I just hit him up. I said, hey, I'd love some recommendations. I knew he wasn't in Paris. He was actually in Stuttgart at the time. And I wasn't thinking that he would come visit Paris and show me around. But he said, hey, absolutely. I'd love to show you some of my favorite venues in Paris. So he hopped on a flight from Stuttgart to Paris yeah. and hung out for a couple of days and showed me this intimate look at all of his favorite nightclubs in Paris. And again, these are places that I couldn't go as a tourist that I would have never found. That simple act of generosity led to us having this amazing friendship. I've been to his wedding. He's been to visit us out in LA. So understanding that you were not looking at this, you know, quick return of like, oh my God, I drove this guy down to Detroit. I went out of my way. Where's my gas money? Why is this guy not paying me back? Why am I not getting invited to more of his parties in Detroit? When you look at it from such a short-sighted viewpoint, you can get frustrated. You can feel like you're being taken advantage of. But when you look at it from a long-term viewpoint, you'll see that these behaviors allow you to very quickly understand other people's values and other people's behaviors. So being a high value person, right? If I'm a low value person and I'm combative, well, the only thing I'm gonna see in other people is them being combative. So I'm not gonna be equipped to really judge their behavior very well if I'm being low value. But if I'm being high value, if I'm being cooperative, I can very clearly see other people's values and other people's behaviors. So it also sets you up for success because now you can more clearly understand people's intentions and people's values. I feel that most people want to be good and want to do the right thing and want to help people out. But we're also flawed and we're also damaged. So people usually have this idea of, well, if you're going to treat me like an asshole, I'm going to treat you like an asshole. So if you look at the world as a place where you need to be combative to get the things that you want, you're going to find that attitude being thrown right back at you. And that's a slippery slope. It puts you in a me against the world mindset. And when you fall into that depression and ultimately that loneliness, look at some of the dangerous things that are happening in this world right now. It's because people who are lonely, people who feel low value, who don't have any generous people in their lives, who don't have people supporting them, sometimes they resort to violence. They resort to behaviors that you would think were outside of their character, but their behaviors pushed them to a point of loneliness and depression that led them to some really dark decisions. When are you begging? When are you being combative? When are you trying to compete for people's value and one-up them? That slippery slope can lead you to a place of loneliness. We wanna talk a little bit about the value of having a high-value social circle. What happens as you start to change your worldview and you start to become high value, you're going to start to attract a new group of people. And these people are the supportive, encouraging people that can empower your life. And to go along with that, now that we understand these four types of behaviors, 
Well, you mentioned once we start changing in ourselves, it's also going to start, it's going to attract others, as you said, but you're also going to start seeing from the social circle you already have high value and low value behaviors and who of your friends seem to be more low value than high value. And because once you start putting in this work on yourself, obviously you're going to want to surround yourself with it because you've done so much work. It's like if you went out of your way to start hitting the gym and start eating right and the rest of your friends don't, and you're now catching the benefits of that, which means you're now feeling good. Got more energy. You got more energy. You're more confident. You're looking better in your clothes. You don't want to go back to how you were now that you've done all this work. If you come from a social circle where that was the regular people not working out, not eating correctly, and you went through this change and this effort, you're going to look to want to surround yourself with people who are going to support these new changes rather than those people who are going to be trying to drag you back into it. And the beautiful part about this is life has its peaks and valleys. Just because you're on top of the mountain now doesn't mean you're going to end up at the bottom in an avalanche in months or years following. So understanding that with the long game, being supportive of people when they're doing amazing things, celebrating their wins in those moments where you're not on that mountaintop, are those people going to have your back? Are they going to be around to support you, to help you get through it? If you surround yourself with low value people and when you're at your rock bottom, when you're not at the peak, you're in the valley, well, they're often the people that cut ties, that aren't there for you, that aren't going to give you that attention, approval, and acceptance that you need to feel good about yourself. In fact, they're going to look to step on you and step over you and look for ways to get around you instead of support you. So the value of being high value is you can start to ascertain where your current social group is. Are they supportive? Are they empowering? And also you can start attracting higher quality people like a magnet. You're looking into the unknown. So you have a group of friends now, but they're low value. In order to bring in new high value people, you're going to have to make room. In order to make room, you're going to have to cut what you have. You know what you got and you don't know what's coming in. Where's the comfort? The comfort is in what you know you already have, not the unknown. The unknown is where fear is. And so we get this question a lot, which is, I'm scared that when I go home or that I start changing my behaviors, that I'm going to lose my friends. And you have to make that decision of whether or not the friends that you have are going to allow you to make those changes. And if you feel that they're not going to allow you to, uh, or if you're going to lose them because you are making those changes, well, then they're not high value friends or even friends at all. Sometimes we have acquaintances in our lives that we mislabel as friends. We have people that occasionally will invest a little bit in our lives, but when push comes to shove, they're not going to be there. I want to go along with the point you mentioned earlier about giving compliments, being supportive. Psychophants also do that. And that's where the confusion lies because they're not the, they may be give, encouraging. They may say that you're cool and think you're awesome and say yes to all the things that you cook up, but they'll never tell you no. And when <laughs> the chips are down, they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> they're out to celebrate someone else. That is the value of having high value social circle, people encouraging you and supporting you throughout your life by you giving that support and encouragement to them outwardly. It embodies and embraces this environment of support, which is what we all need to grow. 
you can't do this alone. You cannot succeed alone. Everything in life that matters is through relationships and through community. So you have to make that choice. Am I supporting those relationships? Am I embodying what I would like to see in, in my own relationships with other people? Or that hard look in the mirror of, you know what? I tend to be pretty combative with people. I tend to look for ways to tear down my friends. Changing that behavior first, controlling what you can control, is the easiest way to start getting different results in your life. And we have an amazing quote here Johnny loves using in class. The price you pay by having a low-value social circle. Yes, the price you pay for having low-value people in your life will be your life. I love how that is because it shows the urgency of the people that you have around you. And then and also, your thoughts and feelings, behaviors and actions are going to be influenced by that social circle. So if you have low-value people around you, then you're going to start thinking in that manner, and it'll be hard for you to think otherwise. Your actions, behaviors, thoughts, and feelings are completely impacted by the people you surround yourself with. And let's talk about that because, you know, my best friend lives in Michigan. He's not out here in LA. And a lot of people would say, oh, well, is he really your best friend? How are you friends if you're not spending that much time together? But he's the person I talk to first when I have personal or professional issues, when I'm struggling with something and vice versa. And guess what? The feedback he gives me is going to be shaped based on his values and his worldviews and his thoughts and feelings have a very big impact on the way that I view any situation I'm in. So if you call your friend and you say, hey, I'm having this terrible issue at work, I'm having this awful time with my girlfriend, and your friend is a positive person, your friend reminds you, hey, AJ, this is normal stuff, man. You've been in business for 11 years. This is nothing to worry about. You've been through worse. Or, you know, last week you were having the time of your life with your girlfriend. That argument's meaningless. It's probably because of the tough time she's having at work. Don't take it personally. And over time, these mindsets and values take on a life of their own if you are surrounded by those low-valued people. Well, and how much of this is striving through lizard brain and trying to be a human being and being rational rather than being dragged into lizard brain where the easiest thing to do is smash shit up light everything on fire, burn it down. Which is the hardest one? Falling back or striving forward? And realizing, again, that when you can start to make time for high-value people, have less time for low-value people, you can start to fill your world with better viewpoints, with generosity and kindness and value, then all of a sudden you're gonna be empowered in ways that you've never felt before. So as Johnny was talking about, when we're talking about getting outside of our comfort zone, sometimes your comfort zone can actually be detrimental to your growth and who you want to become as a person because your comfort zone is filled with these low-value people. Let's wrap with these stories because I think they're a great understanding of why this is so important. And then next week, we're gonna delve into how do we start attracting these high-value people? Now that we are making time for them, we want high-value people in our lives, and we've started to work a little bit on ourselves, how do we attract them? So one situation that I mentioned is the Monday morning meeting. And, you know, if you work in corporate world or really anywhere anymore, it's like Monday morning is where everyone meets, goes over tasks from last week, 
see where everyone's at, see what's finished, see what needs to be completed. And then you grab new tasks to move forward. And let's just say that Sunday evening, you're thinking about Monday morning work meeting and an idea pops into your head how you could help your company be more efficient and more profitable. And why you never had this idea before really doesn't matter. The fact is you're having it now and you start to get amped. So the first thing you do is how do I present this, this idea in a meeting where everyone's going to get excited about it? So then you have to start thinking about who's going to be in that meeting. So you start to think about it. And then as you start thinking about it, you realize that there's a few hiccups in your idea, but it's not that bad. You get to work on them. So you have to present the idea with the hiccups that encourages people to want to get started working on them so you can implement it. As you're doing that, you realize that maybe somebody in that office meeting is in the doghouse and maybe had cost the, the company a lot of money and got demoted last week. And so they're not going to be too thrilled about what's going on in that office in general. And then here you come with this idea that has a few hiccups in it. And it's if they are low value people, they can target in on this, on the hiccups and exploit them to make you look bad while trying to get themselves out of that doghouse. If there's a few of those people that will be in that meeting, how quickly do you go from excited about Monday morning meeting to bring in this idea, get people to work on, to why am I going to stick my neck out in this meeting when I'm going to get slaughtered? Now, if you change the culture in that meeting room to where the people who maybe have made some mistakes in the past, see your idea and hiccups as an opportunity to get to work on them to make your idea work as a better way of getting out of the doghouse rather than the switcheroo. <laughs> and you know you're walking into a meeting like that. You're super excited to go in and go, guys, guys, check this out. I have this idea. There's a few bugs, but I know that if we get to work on it, we can put it together. Another one, this is for the young guys out there. A simple thing, imagine if you were out at happy hour with some friends and a cute girl is checking you out at the end of the bar and you start to think to yourself, oh, I should go over there and I should say hello. You spiff yourself up and you try to think of what you're going to say when you walk over there and you realize that maybe a buddy sees you getting excited to walk over and talk to this girl and he's the kind of guy that if he sees you go over there and say hello, he's making faces at you, throwing ice cubes. Maybe he's filming it with his camera so he could show his friends or put it on Facebook, right? How quickly do you go, I'm not going to go over in front of this guy and press this. However, if we change the culture to your friend and he understands the value of risk and knows that walking over there and saying hello, walking into the unknown and saying hello is a very difficult thing to do. And because you've done that, your buddy is ordering a couple of shots and he's going to celebrate no matter if your interaction went bad or good. It, the fact that you went over deserves a celebration. And when you come back, he gets a couple of shots, you guys high five each other. And it really doesn't matter what had happened, but you're supported in taking that risk. Those things become easy. Absolutely. The risk aversion that we have is often due to the fact that we feel unsupported or we feel that if the risk goes south, if we get the negative result that we're not looking for, that it's going to be reinforced by our social circle, our peer group, our coworkers. well, you bet your bottom dollar we're not going to be taking those risks. We're going to avoid it. We're going to become risk averse. And that's one of the reasons that 
guys love the program in LA so much is because they're surrounded by positive, supportive people that are there to celebrate action, not results. And when we focus on empowering people to take action regardless of the result, the magic is in the action. It's not in the anxiety. It's not in the being in your head and overanalyzing, but it, the celebration is about the action instead of the results. You bet it's an amazing week where you feel incredible taking those risks and ready to take on the world when you get home. Because it takes a lot of work to put together a high value social circle, I don't think a lot of people understand what they're truly capable of because they're not truly supported in the things that they want to do. And then you will not understand the power and what you truly are capable of until you've put that together. So this looks like a great place to wrap up this week's episode. As we dive into more next week, I'd love to do a quick recap. Number one, identifying high value behavior. That is cooperativity. That is looking to give value instead of taking value. So giving people attention, appreciation, and acceptance first instead of looking to take that for yourself. We also talked about the impact of having low value people in your life. And the unfortunate part is sometimes that could be your life. So being better equipped to filter in high quality people and filter out low value people is important. And that's what we're going to be delving into next week. We're going to be talking about how do we welcome high value people into our life. And as well as building a positive high value work environment and also steps that we can put together to help ourselves become more high value. Now, if you're interested in learning more about our in-person bootcamp training here in Los Angeles, you can go to theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp to learn more there. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. And if you enjoyed it, help us out by sharing it with your friends, leaving some reviews in iTunes. Much appreciated. We're excited to be producing more of these Toolbox episodes for you in the upcoming weeks. So have yourself a wonderful week. We look forward to chatting with you next week. See y'all.